Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. Here's Pastor Robert Manessis. I want to begin with just a very short clip and just listen to the words of this news reporter. Again, these words will be very prominent for us for next week, but just to give you a taste of what the world is telling us is happening. This is just one little clip. Florida and this region just endured one of the worst hurricanes in American history. The worst hurricane to ever hit the Florida Panhandle, the worst hurricane to ever hit the United States in the month of October on record. It will be very prominent again, the words on record, the words worst ever. In other words, let me sum up what he said about this hurricane that hit our panhandle. We had never seen anything like it before, okay? And again, we will dig deeper next week with these type of articles and news reportings. And here's one that uh, you should uh, be familiar with. How accurate uh, is the U.S. COVID-19 death count? Some experts say off by tens of thousands, but look at what he says here in this article in ABC News. It says, I've never. Again, the wordings are all the same, no matter what's happening. It's not just this year. This has been escalating with other events. Again, we'll look at that closer next week. I've never, none of us have ever seen an infection like COVID-19 that literally, what's the three words there? Stopped the world, said Williamson. I've never seen anything like this. It echoes again what the reporter said about the hurricane. We're going to see again that the world is telling us, the world in every aspect, not just in the pestilence we're facing today in this, in this, in this day and era. We're going to look at that again next week, but in other aspects, the world is telling us, the world is, the rocks are crying out that we are living in unusual times. We've never seen anything like this. I want to say this boldly, and unapologetically, that Jesus is soon to return, and don't close your eyes to it. I'm going to read something here from the Signs of the Times, written in 1894, and we're told this, God would have us study the events that are taking place around us. Who's us? God's people. God would have us study the events that are taking place around us and compare them with the, predic the predictions of His what? Of His Word. In order that we may understand that we are living in the last days. Amen. We want our Bibles and we want to know what is written therein. The diligent student of prophecy will be rewarded with clear revelations of truth, for Jesus said, Thy word is truth. What we are doing in these two messages, I guarantee you, is according to the will of God. We need to understand what's happening, friends. 
not to get nervous and scared, but to wake up and to see how close or if we need to get closer to Jesus. You see, back in the early to the mid-1800s, there was, began a great revival in the United States, and not just here but the world. They call it the, 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 the great uh, revival there in, 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 this, in this country and other, in other parts of the world. And the revival, listen carefully, what brought about such a revival that the world hadn't seen in so long was the proclamation of the soon return of Jesus. And that concept that Christ was soon to return sparked such a um, such a chord in the heart of the people that people sold what they had. People rendered their hearts because they truly believed that Christ was soon to come. Now, we know that the Millerites, as they called them, people of all denominations, we know that they got the date right, but the event wrong, and there was what we call a great disappointment that Christ did not come to the date that they set, and God allowed this to happen, to test the people, but they got the date right. Something did happen on, our t on October 22, 1844. Christ came, but not to the earth, but to the most holy place in the heavenly sanctuary. But listen carefully. Though there was a great disappointment back in the mid-1800s, let me tell you this, that the people who expected this event to happen, let me read to you an eyewitness account. It's from James White. Look at his words. This is from James White Life Incidents, and he says, James White wrote of that experience. He said, true believers had given up all for Christ and had shared His presence as never before, the love of Jesus filled every soul and beamed from every face, and with inexpressible desires, they prayed, come, Lord Jesus, and come quickly. But here's the thing. Though they had a great disappointment back then, I tell you today, this time, there will be no great disappointment. Christ will come. Now, we, are, we don't have a date for that coming because no man knows the day or hour, but we're going to see, though no date is to be proclaimed, there are incredible events that God said would begin to happen to know the nearness of His coming. Can you say amen? Now, Let me remind you and ignite this fire in your hearts in the closeness of Christ's return. And truly, the sands of the hourglass are running thin. Here on the screen, I have, do you long for Christ to return as James White and others? Or are you just too happy here in this world? Or do you long for His coming do you desire for Christ to return more than anything in the world? Or are you just too comfortable here in this darkened, sinful world? Well, let me remind God's people that the Bible calls the coming of Jesus the blessed hope. 
In Titus chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, why is the coming of Jesus the blessed hope for humanity? Why is the blessed hope of Jesus our blessed hope? Let me tell you why. Because death, pain, suffering, injustice, and everything else will not end till Christ returns. One amen I heard here. Hatred, death, pain, sickness, stress, financial troubles, and eventually sin will not end until Christ returns. That's why it's our blessed hope. Let me remind the church that the only promise Christ ever made under oath was that He was to return. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew 26. The only promise that Jesus ever made under oath was that He would return in the clouds of heaven. Matthew chapter 26, first book of the New Testament, and I'm going to read verses 63 and 64. Christ here is before the Sanhedrin after He's taken from the Garden of Gethsemane to His trial, and they begin to ask Christ questions. We're in verse 63 of Matthew 26, and the Bible says, but Jesus kept, what's the word there? Kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, here is Jesus under oath. Right? We've seen it there in the courts, raise your right hand and put your hand on the Bible, and do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? And here is Jesus in his trial put under oath, and Christ could have said anything he wanted here. But look at what he chooses to say. Verse 64, and Jesus said to him, it is as you said, nevertheless, I say to you, that hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. The only promise that Jesus ever made under oath was this, I'm going to return. When His disciples were facing difficult times, when Jesus' disciples heard that He was about to suffer and die, when Peter heard that he was about to deny his Savior, though he really wasn't grasping what Christ was saying, and Jesus saw that they were down and out, and Christ saw that they were having or trouble in their hearts, how did Jesus encourage them? Go to John 14. How did Jesus encourage his disciples who were sad and confused? He encouraged them with the blessed hope. We're in John 14, verses 1 through 4. John 14, verses 1 through 4. Say amen if you're there. And Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I might come again. If I feel like it, I will. I will. I will come again 
and receive it in myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way, you know, the way to eternity is through Jesus alone, amen. Now, Jesus said, I will come again to receive it in myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Christ longs to come back, longs to gather his people to take uh, us to where he is at the moment, amen. Did you know that the Bible ends with the blessed hope of Jesus? Go to Revelation 22, last book of the Bible, last chapter of the Bible, last two verses of the Bible. The Bible, the Bible ends with the blessed hope. The Bible ends with the blessed hope of Jesus' return. We're in Revelation 22, verses 20 and 21. The Bible ends with the blessed hope of Jesus. The Bible says, he who testifies to these things, surely I come quickly, amen, that means it's true, even so come, Lord Jesus, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let the church say, amen. The Bible ends with the blessed hope. The entire Bible, you come to the very end of the Bible there, Revelation 22, last two verses, it ends with this, come Lord Jesus. Why? Because John understands that Sin and suffering and pain will not end till Christ returns, and He needs to come, He will come, and He's close to coming. On the screen I have this. The ultimate message of Revelation and really the Bible, especially the New Testament, is that the only real solution to poverty, disease, injustice, and every other corruptible thing we can think of is the return of Jesus. It is this solution that makes the Advent message truly relevant to a confused, scared, dying world. My hope is not in any earthly quote-unquote king or government or anyone else, my hope for the injustice of this world is the return of my Savior. Now, we now transition, and we're going to see, and Peter predicted, that there would be scoffers. There would be people who would not take what's happening in this world seriously. Go to Second Peter, take a look. Peter tells us, that there would be a people who just, no matter what's happening in the world, just don't want to hear that what's happening is unusual, that what's happening is screaming to the world that Christ is soon to come and God wants us to be ready. Peter called these scoffers. Second Peter. Second Peter is towards the end of the Bible. After Hebrews, you then Come to the book of James, and then first, and then second Peter. Second Peter, chapter three, and we're going to begin reading in verse three. Peter said there would be scoffers in the last days. Say amen when you get to second Peter. Chapter three, beginning in verse three, and Peter says, "Know this first, that what." Yeah, my version says scoffers. That what? That scoffers will come when? In the last days, 
walking according to their own lusts, saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Let me stop there, and let me tell you what the word scoffer means here in the Greek. The word scoffer here in the Greek is the same Greek word found in Matthew 27, verse 29, when it said that the soldiers mocked Jesus when they put the crown of thorns on His head and the robe and the scepter there, and they mocked Him. It's the same Greek word. In other words, they didn't take, listen, they didn't take the, 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 who Jesus claimed to be seriously. And Peter says here, in the last days there will be scoffers, people who did not take the coming of Christ seriously, and they turn their backs to what's happening in the world, and they say, oh, you guys always say this. You ever heard people say this? Oh, every time something happens, you claim it's the sign of the times. I, I've heard this before. And people say, oh, every time, every time. These are scoffers. Because they have or are completely asleep at the wheel of what's happening in the world today. Because we're going to see again, especially to next week, that the world is telling us we're living in unusual times. The world is. And to say, oh, all these things continue as they always been, you literally, literally are turning your back and blinding yourself willingly to what's happening in this world and what the Bible is teaching. Are you with me so far? And then, as we go back to 2 Peter, he continues to tell us in verses 5 through uh, 9 that, hey, you know, God is not slack concerning His promise. He will come. He will come, and He, he, he has uh, delayed it a bit because He is long-suffering, desiring all to come to Him and to repent of their sins. Amen. God is long-suffering. And then Peter tells us that a day is but a thousand, a thousand years is but a day to God. We can't, we can't hold God in time. God is timeless. Are you with me? But now look at verse 10 of 2 Peter chapter 3. Are you there? After he just says that, yes, God is waiting and God is allowing people to repent, but then he says clearly, but the day of the Lord will come. Unexpectedly or as a thief in the night. It says the day will be unexpectedly, not the manner. And that's a whole other sermon there, friends. But the day that Christ returns will be unexpectedly because nobody knows the day, but we can know when it's at the doors. Can you say amen? He continues. I'll have a sermon on that sometime in the future. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief or unexpectedly in the night in which the heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Verse 11, therefore, since all these things uh, be, will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? We're going to get to this a little later. I don't, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but he tells us here that if, if you understand that Christ is soon to return, all these things are happening in the world, and Christ is sort of knocking on your heart to say, whoa, 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 wake up here. I'm soon to come. And, and God's people, how are they to live? He says, holy in conduct. In other words, they're taking their walk with Christ 
very seriously. The desire to follow Him and be used by Him and show the world who Jesus is. He continues, verse 11, in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to His promise look for a new heavens, a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Now go back to verse 12. The word looking for there is the Greek word to be expecting and watching, to be awake. You see, Christ said the same thing. We are to watch and pray. Can you say amen? Now, I want you to go to the book of Matthew. Go to the book of Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Now, here Peter uh, to the church says we are to be looking for, to be watching, expecting these, uh, the coming of Jesus, not to go to sleep, but to be awake. Now, I've already mentioned this, but let the Bible tell us. What are, we, what, what are we to be watching for? Well, it's not a specific date. Anyone who tells you that Christ will come on a certain date in history is not teaching biblical truth. Because Jesus says here in Matthew 24, verse 42, Matthew 24, verse 42, Jesus says, Watch therefore... For you do not know what hour your Lord is what. Okay. But look what Christ tells us in verses 32 and 33. Though we are not to be watching for a specific date, and listen, after the 2300-year prophecy that ended in 1844 passed, God's people are no longer waiting for any time prophecy. All and every time prophecy has been fulfilled. All now that we're seeing is events happening, leading to Christ's coming. Now, though no specific date is to be given, let's see what Christ says in verse 32 and 33 of Matthew 24. But now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that what's near. Yeah, easy illustration there. Jesus says, just like when you see that this what? This fig tree begins to, to blossom, you know as you look. Key, key to understand. What do you see? What do you use to see? Your eyes. Look at the illustration here. When you begin to see things happening to this fig tree, are you with me? You know that what's near, summer is coming, right? So prepare yourself, summer is coming, and whatever needs to happen here. But you can see with your eyes that something's happening with this fig tree, and summer is approaching quickly. Look at verse 33. He now gives us the application. So you also. Who's you? Well, we know that it's the immediate disciples there, but Christ is also talking to who? To us today and to the world for you also when you what's the word when you see all these things know that it is near at the doors and my question is what are all these things the things he mentioned prior to those verses there are you with me so far 
Just like when you use your eyes to see the fig tree doing its thing and summer is approaching, so you also, Jesus says, when you use your eyes to, to see, to see what, Lord? All the things that I've talked about, and we'll look at that more that next week, you're going to know that I'm soon to come. And Peter said, there will be scoffers. Oh, Wilf, every time something happens, you always say it's a sign of the times. Well, a good Bible student and those who want to follow the spirit of prophecy will know that we are to be watching what's happening. Why? Not so that we are just event seekers, but that we could know that if we see everything happening as the Bible had said it's happening, listen carefully, and we begin to be convicted truly that Christ is truly at the doors to coming back here. What that's supposed to do is not only make us event seekers, but Christ seekers. Because these things are supposed to awaken our hearts to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you with me so far? And guess what? A scoffer who turns his back on what's happening and oh, oh, Ronell, oh, you always say it. What they're doing is this. They're, they're, they're closing their eyes to the reality of what the Bible is teaching and the world is telling us and they probably don't even want Christ to come anyway because they just love being down here too much. Did you know that Paul preached about the signs of the times? Go to 1 Thessalonians. Yes, Paul, the, the great apostle and missionary, he understood the importance of also preaching about the signs of the times so God's people could be aware and know where they are in earth's history, to be prepared, to know that they need to be close to Jesus. Now is not the time to turn your back to Jesus. Now is the time to turn your, 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 your chest and your heart to Jesus. 1 Thessalonians, say amen when you get there. Paul preached about the signs of the times. We're in 1 Thessalonians. I, I first want to start in chapter 4, verse 15. Much, uh, uh, many uh, uh, well-known verses for us. Chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 15. Are you there? So look at the context here because before we come to chapter 5. Look at the event that Paul talks about. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So is the context here the event of Christ's coming, yes or no? Yes, we keep reading. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and hallelujah, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, the dead in Christ who rose, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, let me stop there, and before I proceed to chapter 5, you need to know that in the original language, there were no chapter breaks, Okay? So what Paul is doing now, he's just now continuing with his thought. He just talked about the coming of Jesus. Are you with me? Now he continues in his thought, and what we now have chapter 5 here, beginning in verse 1. He continues. But, so he just got talking about the coming of Jesus. Thumbs up if you're with me. 
okay? He then continues, but concerning the what? The times and the seasons, we're going to see here that that means the signs of His return. Brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes unexpectedly in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. What Paul is saying, and we're going to see, that he had already told the people what they should expect in regards to the signs of his coming. Therefore, they should not walk in darkness. If you have, uh, look at the screen here, and I'm going to read to you the book Acts of the Apostles. Look what she says carefully. While laboring where? In Thessalonica. Who? Paul had so fully covered the subject Paul, when he was there, had so fully covered what? The signs of the times showing what events would occur prior to the revelation of the Son of Man in the clouds of heaven that he did not think it necessary to write at length regarding this subject. He, however, pointly referred to his former teachings of the times and the seasons. He said, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction, what? Comes upon them Paul. Yes, Paul the apostle understood the importance of preaching, telling God's people, and fully showing them the signs of the times. Can you say amen? Even Paul. Now we're back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and he continues now in verses 4 and 6. In verse 4 he says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you unexpectedly. Why? Because he has explained to them the events they should be looking for right before he returns. But if you're a scoffer, you will completely turn your back to it, and you will be completely caught off guard. Are you understanding here? My appeal to the church today is don't be a scoffer. Watch and pray. He continues, Verse 5, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, in conclusion, let us not, what's the word? Let us not sleep as others do. Those are the scoffers. But let us watch and be sober. Can you say amen? Many Christians today and people of this world don't want to look or watch for the signs of the times because they don't want to. In the book Acts of the Apostles, she continues to say, there are in the world today, look at this, there are in the world today many who close their eyes to the events that Christ has given to warn men of His coming. That's true. That is very true. Many close their eyes to it. These are the scoffers. Oh, oh, everything always continued. Everything is always continued as it were. Oh, every time something happens, you guys say, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, look what she needs to say. 
they seek to quiet all apprehension, while at the same time, the signs of the end are rapidly fulfilling. And the world is hastening to the time when the Son of Man shall be revealed in the clouds of heaven. Now look at this here. Paul teaches that it is sinful to be indifferent to the signs which are to proceed the coming of Christ. That's incredible and powerful there. Look what she's saying. She's saying that if you're a scoffer and you're one that says, oh, oh, yes, every time something happens, you say it's a sign of the times, and you're one of those, God forbid, she says, it is sinful to think and speak this way. Why? Because you're turning your back on the words of God and what He has said to you. You are willingly turning your back on what Jesus has said we need to be watching for. Can you say amen? Watch and pray. It's not time to sleep. It's not time to be a scoffer. It's not time to, oh, you guys always say this. Whoa, 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 whoa. If that's you, hey, no worries. There's hope. Jesus is a forgiving God, and Christ wants us to come to him. And if you're a scoffer, I pray that you'll say, Lord, forgive me. I, I don't want to have this attitude. I want to be watchful and prayful, and I want to be ready for my Savior. Are you with me so far? You see, the Old Testament gave signs and pointed the people to Christ's first coming. So the New Testament gives signs and points us to Christ's second coming. Can you say amen? We're almost rounding the corner. Here's my other point that we need to take seriously. God, this is a huge here. God all, has always expected his people to live with a sense of urgency in his coming. Go to Revelation, take a look. Christ and God had always wanted His people to live with a sense of urgency in regards to His second coming. Quickly go to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3, verse 11. Revelation 3, verse 11. And there's a word that comes up over and over here in here in this chapter. Revelation 3, verse 11. Say amen when you get there. Revelation 3. Verse 11, and the Bible says this, Revelation 3, verse 11, Behold, I'm coming, what's the word? I'm coming quickly, hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Go to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, verse 7, we just saw that Jesus said, I'm coming quickly, he said. I'm coming what? I'm coming quickly. Revelation 22 Look at verse 7. Behold, I'm coming. What's the word? I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Go to verse 12. Verse 12. Behold, I'm coming. What's the word? I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his, his works. Now look at chapter 22, verse 20. We see it again. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. There's a sense of urgency here. There's a sense of what? Urgency. Why? Because even way back, even way back then, Christ had always wanted His people to live with a sense of urgency with His coming. Why is that? You see, when my wife was pregnant, we didn't know 
well, they give us a date. You know, they give you a date. The baby's going to come at a certain time. But can you follow that date? Is that accurate, right? Might come before, might come after. My wife was praying that it would never pass the date. She wanted it to get done quick. Not too quickly. Not too quickly. But listen. But because we didn't know the exact date, we wanted to live with a sense of urgency. So what we did is we prepared her back to go to the hospital in advance so that when the contractions began, we were ready. You see, if we had not lived with a sense of urgency in regards to the coming, right? We knew, look at this, we knew that, you know, the first six months we didn't really have to, you know, we knew it wasn't, but then when we began to understand the time that it was getting closer to the date, are you understanding? And we began to, to see that her belly was getting bigger. We lived with a sense of urgency in the coming of the baby. We prepared in advance, and when the contractions began, we were ready. That's why God wants us to live with a sense of urgency, to constantly be ready, amen. Always. That God's people are always to live with a sense of urgency in regards to his soon return. And that contrasts the scoffers. If you live with a sense of urgency, you know you can't waste any time. This is the opposite of the attitude of the scoffers. How much more when you see the signs being fulfilled, should we be living with a sense of urgency? It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to live with a sense of urgency. Not just with our relationship with Jesus, which is number one, but then on the work that God has his people to do. Amen. There's no time to waste. This isn't as usual anymore. Things are different, friends. You know it. I know it. And next week, you will be blown away by what I'm going to show you. I'm going to read this here quickly. We're almost done. Testimonies of the Church, Volume 9, page 14. But who reads? Look at the question she has here. Sobering questions. But who reads the warnings given by the fast-fulfilling signs of the times? What impression is made upon worldlings? What change is seen in their attitude? She continues. No more than was seen in the attitude of the inhabitants of the Nokian world. Absorbed in worldly business and pleasure, the antediluvians knew not until the flood came and took them all away. They had heaven-sent warnings. You bet they did, friends. Let me share you with that. You see, in the days of Noah, and Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now listen carefully. In the days of Noah, it came a time after the ark was built, after Noah preached his heart out for over 100 years that a, that a rain was coming, and people mocked him, and they laughed at him. Now listen. And then all of a sudden, the people began to see animals coming out of the woodworks, not fighting each other, but in line, seven by clean, two by unclean, 
lions and gazelle and all them just walking, all the birds flocking to the, to, the, to, the, to the ark, and they went up the ramp and quietly went into the ark. That's unusual. I, I mean, if you were there in Noah's day, you would say, um, that's not normal. <laughs> but what do they do with that? Scoffers, they scoffed more. They turned their backs to the heaven-sent sign. She continues, they had heaven-sent warnings, but they refused to what? That's what's happening today. And today the world, utterly regardless of the warning voice of God, is hurrying onto eternal ruin. They don't want to listen. But these are the messages God has put in my heart for you. That it's time to wake up. Truly, Christ is sooner to come than you can even imagine. Are you with me, friends? All right, let me finish with these few things and then we're going to be out of here. You see, the Bible speaks of a people in the last days or God's last day church that will be lukewarm. You ever heard of this before? Now, there's so much here. Uh, a lukewarm attitude uh, to fix that is complete repentance and desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Can you say amen? For God to reignite and change us. But listen carefully. If you live with a sense of urgency, if you live with a sense of urgency, will that uh, lead to a lukewarm attitude or will that lead to a hot on fire attitude? Those who are just lukewarm and they just sit there on, and they just sort of yawn and, you know, life is just as normal and people claim Christ is coming, they're gonna be, uh, there's going to be no fire to get out of their lukewarmness, but people who begin to see things that are happening, study the Bible, know that they need Jesus and the Spirit in them, and they see Christ is soon to return, it ignites them to come out of their lukewarmness and to hotness. Amen. So let me just quickly share with you that if you believe that uh, things are just as normal as business, there's a tendency to do this. Go quickly to Matthew 24, quickly, quickly. Matthew 24, almost done, hang with me, Matthew 24. If you have an attitude of a scoffer and, oh, my Lord, delayeth his coming, things are just as always, this is the danger here quickly. Matthew 24, 45 through 49, Christ gave us a parable of the dangers of just thinking that things are just as normal as they were. Matthew 24, beginning in verse 45, say amen if you're there. The Bible says this, Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom the master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. Praise the Lord. But look at verse 48, but if that evil servant says in his where? In his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. 
You see the danger there. When you begin to say, oh, you know, Lord, he's not really coming yet. He's not, I'm not living with a sense of urgency. You have a tendency now to begin to go the other way. Are you with me? In Exodus chapter 32, look at Exodus chapter 32 quickly. Second book of the Bible. You can find it very quickly. Exodus chapter 32, Moses is on top of Mount Sinai with God himself, receiving the Ten Commandments, and the Bible says that people begin to get what? Oh, where's Moses? He delayeth his coming. And look what happens with that attitude. Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 6. Exodus chapter 32, 1 through 6, the Bible says, Now when the people saw that Moses, what's the word? delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Oh, come, make us gods that, when, that, uh, that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. What a slap in the face that is to God. Verse 5, So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they, they arose, verse 6, Early in the next day uh, uh, offered burnt offerings and uh, brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play, and that's not playing Monopoly. The word for play there are things that you and I don't want to think about or talk about. But what was the attitude there? Oh, Moses, what? Delayeth his coming. But I appeal to God's people to wake up. I finish with these last few slides. Here we go. If you know there is no time to waste, will you have a lukewarm, comfortable attitude thinking you are in the need of nothing or will you have a hot self-examination? I need to draw closer to Jesus and desire the Holy Spirit to be in me. There is work to be done attitude. You tell me. But yet people think that business as usual is happening. It's not. It's not. Actually, the apostles, the promise of Christ's second coming was ever to be kept fresh in the minds of his disciples. Can you say amen? I'm going to read that again. The promise of Christ's second coming was ever, always to be kept fresh in the minds of his disciples. Who here is a disciple of Jesus? Anybody? Anybody here? Anybody at home? The same Jesus whom they had seen ascending into heaven would come again to take to himself those who, were, who below gave themselves to his service. Next one here. Maranatha, page 75, Jesus said, Behold, I'm coming quickly. We should keep these words, what? Ever in mind and act as though we do not, and act as though we do indeed believe that the coming of the Lord is, is nigh and that we are pilgrims and strangers upon the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Miranatha, page 76, now is the time to prepare for the coming of our Lord. When is it? 
Readiness to meet Him cannot be attained in a moment's time. That's why Christ always wanted His people to live with a sense of urgency so they wouldn't waste time. Can you say amen? Preparatory to that solemn scene, there must be vigilant waiting and watching combined, here it is, with what? That's right. It's not a, well, I know Christ is soon to come. Let me wait until He comes. No, 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 no. Therefore, it sparks in you to also work for Jesus. Amen. I want to appeal to the young people. Oh, the youth, the young people of God, please. Now is your time. Now is your time for God to use you for great things. Now is your time. Now is your time. Young people, now is your time. You guys with me? Satan wants our youth. God wants them because they have the energy. All should be working, but there's a special uh, vigorance in the youth that God needs to use to finish the work. Amen. So let me end with this here. Back in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, the word looking for, this is in the present tense, present continuous in the Greek. It means active looking or waiting, not just looking and sitting, but looking and doing. And he tells us that in chapter 2, verse 14, the next verse, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Here, it says, Acts of the Apostles, the watchful Christian is, work, is a working Christian, seeking zealously to do all in his power for the advancement of the gospel. As love for his Redeemer increases, so also does the love for his fellow men. Can a believer say amen? Absolutely. He has severe trials as he has had his master, but he does not allow affliction to sour his temper or destroy his peace of mind. Here, speaking about Paul, she says, the signs foretold in prophecy are fast fulfilling uh, around us. This should, be, this should arouse every true follower of Christ to zealous action. Can you say amen? All right, last one here. Oh. It says here about Paul, this is in the context of Paul, it says, his thoughts, Paul's thoughts and hopes are centered on the second coming of the Lord. So when you read the life of Paul and you see that he went to all these places and preached the gospel, he was, he was beaten, he says, he was, he was cast out, he was wrecked. All this, what, what was Paul sitting in his heart? The coming of Jesus. This is what drove Paul. Of course, many things, but this is one of them, the coming of Christ. My friends, I have some very good news for you. I have the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life, and it's this. Jesus truly is soon to come. He truly is at the doors. And now that we've laid the framework, that we don't need to be scoffers, but those living, watching, doing in urgency, are you with me? Next Sabbath, you need to take a look at the sermon because I'm going to show you from the Bible and then the events not only happening 
right now, but previously, I'm going to show you that the world again, I'm going to say it again, that the world is telling us that what's happening, that's what has been happening, they have never seen before. I hope you're going to be ready for it. You're not going to miss it. Please, please do not miss next week's sermon. Please. But I pray this sermon made sense. This makes sense today. At home, I pray this made sense. So my appeal to us is this. Let us watch, be sober, and be vigilant. Not only with our relationship with Jesus, but our studying of the Bible and God using us for his glory to bring others to him and the truth. Can you say amen? Now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. Do not turn your backs on what's happening in the world today. Please, you will regret it. Open your hearts for what God is telling you. Open your hearts to what God is telling you. That yes, we are seeing before our eyes the signs of Christ's soon return, and things are not going to get better, they're going to get worse. Because when they cry peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. But those who cling to Jesus, those who live with a sense of urgency, and those who desire to be filled with His Spirit, this is what's going to help us get through. Amen? This podcast is a service of the University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.